This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible Adult Resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, we examine some questions that teachers may face, and we give some teaching tips along the way. This winter, we are studying the first 19 chapters of Genesis. I'm Amber Vaden, your host, and today I'm joined by Mike Livingston. Mike serves as an editor on our Explore the Bible team. He's done that for many years and is just a, a valuable, valuable asset to our work. He also leads Bible study at his church using Explore the Bible and just brings loads of knowledge to our discussion. So, Mike, thank you for being here today. Always a pleasure. Today we will look at session one. We are kicking off our whole new study. We will be discussing verses from Genesis 1 and 2. So our outline will give us just a good overview of what's happening in these verses and what we need to know. Uh, the very first part of the outline we've titled The Beginning, and that's Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In these verses, Moses recounted how God created the heavens and the earth out of nothing. God spoke light into existence. He separated light and dark. The light was called day and the dark night, ending the first day of creation. Our second uh, passage is Genesis 1, 26 through 31, and we've titled that The Image Bearers. Moses continued by sharing how God determined to place humans in his creation, making them in his image and assigning them stewardship of creation. God created humans so that both males and females carry God's image. God then directed the people he created to bear children, subdue the earth, and rule over it. He also pointed out that he had given green plants for food to all created beings. God declared all he created very good, ending the sixth day of creation. And then finally, the last part of our outline we've titled The Rest, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Having completed creation, God rested on the seventh day. He blessed the seventh day because he rested from all his work. Our summary statement for the whole session today is this. God created all that is, including humans who bear his image. Well, Mike, let's just jump into some questions. This is such a good passage. It might be a passage, though, that seems very familiar. And so that's always... Um, something to keep in mind when we are preparing to teach a passage that maybe we've read a lot or perhaps we think our group members have read a lot. Um, so we want to really uh, take a moment and, and read it carefully and put some time and thought into how we will uh, lead our groups this weekend. Uh, so here's four questions that we think can help get us to that point. Our first question, what does God creating something out of nothing say about him? And what can it mean to our lives? Yeah, what any passage says about God is always the right first question to ask. So in this passage, you get the first words of the first verse of the first book of the Bible establishes some really key foundational truths about God. One that God exists. You know, it doesn't it doesn't argue the reality of God. It states it as a fact in the beginning. God. And, and then the rest of the Bible expands on who God is, what he's like, what he's doing. So God exists. God is eternal. The, the phrase in the beginning and reaches back before creation and declares that God was there. He was already there. God is eternal. There's no beginning, no end. 
and then God created. He created the heavens and the earth. That's that's everything. That's the whole universe. So he was not only there before anything else was. He's the source of all things. So it, it establishes some really key foundational truths about God. And this, so this first verse of the Bible, it begins with that, that statement in the beginning, God created. And, and then, you know, so that's how the Bible begins. And then the last book of the Bible um, kind of circles back and, and praises the, the, the creator in Revelation 4.11 says, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you've created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. Um, let's, let's zero in to answer your question, though, is focus on, on this word create. This, this word create is used in the Bible only with God as its subject, meaning it's something that only God can do. God didn't make the, the universe from some pre-existing material. He, he started from nothing. This is a word, and this is a word that, that conveys that truth, that God started from nothing. Only God can create something out of nothing. Yeah. And, and that's what this is saying. You know, uh, Romans 4.17 says, The God who gives life to the dead and calls things into existence that do not exist. He called creation into existence when there was nothing in existence. He created out of nothing. Now, <clears throat> as humans, we can be creative, but we can't create something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I know a lot of creative people, as, uh, as you do too. Um, <clears throat> there, so there's, there's creativity. There's creative people because god the creator formed us in his image we can be creative human creativity comes from god but only god creates yeah. only god creates something out of nothing you know you think of some of the great artists in in, in history like michelangelo who said that michelangelo said only god creates the rest of us just copy <laughs> and yeah. he's you know one of his most famous um pieces of arc was the the, the statue David, and he actually said about that statue, he said, I created a, a vision of David in my mind and simply carved away everything that wasn't David. Hmm. Which I, and, I, and I like that, but he's saying that he had to start with something. He didn't start with, with nothing. Or artists like Rembrandt, you know, arguably one of the greatest painters who's ever lived. He had to start with some canvas and paints. Yeah. He didn't create, a, create out of nothing. So that we call creativity, and that's the result of being created in God's image. But there is no one who has the, the ability to create something out of nothing. Only God can do that, and that's what he did. Yeah. So the, the second part of your, your question, I think, okay, what does that mean? You know, what does that mean to our lives? Okay, um, it means, first of all, that there is no one else like him. Mm -hmm. that God does what only God can do. He, he alone has always been, and nothing else could exist without him. He, so it means he's the one who gives meaning and purpose to our existence. Yeah. And it means that there's nothing impossible for him. Mm -hmm. If God could create the universe out of nothing, and he can do all things. It means that for us, it means that he can make a way where there's no way. He can do the impossible. He, he can even bring the dead to life, mm -hmm. physically and spiritually. So there's, there's no one like him 
and there's nothing impossible for him. Mm-hmm. I think those are the key truths we get from this. That's, that is so good and really helpful because this is, as you mentioned, the very first verse of the first book of the Bible. And we know the whole Bible is telling us about God, but from the very, very start, we are, we are to understand exactly what he's like. Uh, and so that's really helpful. That's good. Moving on to verse two, this question is about verse two. How did God bring order to the chaos mentioned in verse two, and why is that important? Yeah, he brought order to chaos by the power of his word. You know, Mm -hmm. the first day, uh, on the first day of creation, it says there, then God said, then God said, let there be light, there was light. And that that happened each each of the days of creation. You find that phrase, then God said on every day of creation. So God spoke and caused everything to come into being. He did, he did it by the power of his word. There's a wonderful psalm <clears throat> that relates to this, um, to this lesson, to this passage. Psalm 33 is a psalm of praise to the creator. And verse 6 of Psalm 33 says, The heavens were made by the word of the Lord, all the stars by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9, it says, He spoke and it came into being. He commanded, it came into existence. So God just spoke the word and it happened. Hmm. Now that's important. That, that, that establishes one of those foundational truths about God that you get here at the very first verses of the Bible. And that is, that God's word is powerful. Whenever God speaks, something happens. Jesus demonstrated that same power. For example, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, already dead for four days, uh, Martha said, you know, said to Jesus, well, there's, there's already a stench because he's been dead for four days. But that, but Jesus says, he spoke the word. He said the word and Lazarus's body, that had already begun to decay his body. I mean, the heart started beating and pumping blood through his, through his body and, he, and his lungs started uh, breathing. And, and the, that body that had already started to decay came to life by the power, by the command of Jesus's words. And Lazarus got up and walked out of the tomb. That's the power of God's word. And God still speaks. The Bible is his word. What the Bible says, God says. And it's the word that changes lives. Hmm. It's the word of God that changes lives. And so in our, in our Bible teaching ministry that, that we are all involved in, I mean, this is something really significant for us to, to grab a hold of. What, um, <clears throat> what H.B. Charles, uh, great preacher H.B. Charles said about preaching, I think is, is also true of Bible teaching. He said, our preaching is not the reason the word works. The word is the reason our preaching works. And it's that, the same thing about our teaching. You know, when we teach um, our, our Bible study groups, classes, it's, it's not our teaching that makes the word work. The word is the reason our teaching works. And so the, the important uh, point here is that God's word accomplishes God's purposes. God's word is powerful. Thank you for that. Goodness, that's a really good explanation of that and an understanding of what that means for us. Uh, it's just, that's just so 
is powerful and important for what we will do each week when we gather with our group uh, to know that that is, it is God's, God's word is the power at work there. Uh, that does lead me, I want to, sometimes we save this for the end, but I want to share a Bible skill because it connects pretty well with what Mike just shared about. Uh, each week in the leader guide, we offer a Bible skill and that's uh, an activity that you can lead your group to complete that helps them really grow in their understanding of God's word and grow in their understanding of how it all fits together and how to be better students of the Bible. The one for this week is is especially good. Uh, It says, use other scripture to help understand a Bible passage. To gain a deeper insight into the creation story, spend some time reading and meditating on other passages in scripture that speak of God's creative activities in the beginning. And then it lists several passages. And so that is a really uh, valuable and helpful short activity that can be done to help, help connect the these first few verses of Genesis with several other passages through scripture that all speak to God's work of creation and his uh, power in that, his power in that. And so that's just a really, that's just something I want to throw out there. That might be a good thing to spend a little time, plan to spend a little time on this week with your Bible study group. Okay. Our next question Genesis 1.27 tells us that God made man in his image. What does that practically mean for us? Yeah, volumes have been written to explain what that means, to be made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And, and we give we give explanation uh, concerning that in, in our Explore the Bible resources. We do talk about that in all of our resources. And whatever else it means, <clears throat> being created in God's image includes the potential to enjoy a relationship with God, a personal relationship with God. So, it, it, you know, whatever else it means, it, it, it includes that. Um, and, and, in, and also, in addition to giving um, creation man, you know, humans uh, this unique nature, God gave them a great responsibility. So it means, you know, re- relationship, it means responsibility. Uh, and we, we go into these things in, in our resources, I know, but, but just just a word like you, you asked about, okay, what does that practically mean? Well, I think it means, uh, first of all, it, um, or it, it affects how we understand ourselves. Okay, so all of that affects how we, how we look at ourselves and understand who we are. So your identity and mine is tied to who God made us to be. So being created in the image of God means... If he made us in his image, then he's the one who defines us, and he's the one who brings meaning and purpose to our lives. That's what it means. And it means mm-hmm. let's let God define us and not the world. He's the one who made us. Yeah. It means it means the purpose of life is to know him and to reflect his image um, in in this world. So it, it means all these things. It, it, it impacts how we understand ourselves and our place in this world, but it also affects the way that we see other people and the way that we relate to people. Because mm-hmm. all people, every every person is an, is an image bearer of God. So we're talking about people of, of all ages. We're talking about all races, colors, ethnicities. We're talking about male and female. We're talking about all statuses in, in life. Every individual has value worth because he or she is made in the image of God. Every person has value and worth because that 
individual is a person for whom Christ died. Mm-hmm. So those are, those are some, I, I think, some practical ways that being created in the image of God impacts us. The last part of our study, we go down to chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 3. And in those verses, uh, we read that on the seventh day, God completed his work that he had done and he rested. Okay, so for us, what should rest look like in the life of a believer? Yeah, the answer to that question is not... Let me, let, me answer, let me answer that by first saying what, it's, what the answer is not. The, okay. the answer is not, okay, what can I do and what can I not do on the Lord's Day? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's not how we need to approach that question of, what, okay, what should rest look like? Okay, that's, I mean, that's one way to approach it, but I don't think that's the first question to ask. You know, when Paul wrote to the Colossians, and the Colossians were dealing with some false teachers, and, and the false teachers were prescribing all these things that they had to do or could not do on the Sabbath. Colossians two sixteen and 17, Paul says, don't let, don't let anyone judge you in this regard, you know, to food, drink, or a festival, or new moon, or the Sabbath day. And then he says, these are a shadow of what's to come. The substance is Christ. That's, that's the key phrase there. The substance is Christ. So the substance of the Sabbath, Paul says, is Christ. It's not about, okay, what can we do? Uh, what are we allowed to do? What must we not do? And all of that. No, he, Paul is saying the substance is Christ. All that's just the shadow. Shadow. So Christ is the reality that it points to. He's the reality to whom Sabbath points, or Sabbath rest points. He's, the reality is the rest that we have in Christ. There's the reality, Paul says. He, he Christ, is our rest. And the Bible speaks of this rest that begins at the moment of conversion we enter into his rest. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Mm-hmm. He gives us his rest. So what does Sabbath rest look like? For us as believers, it looks like Christ in us. Mm-hmm. The substance of Sabbath rest is learning to rest in his presence. That's the substance. Hebrews 4 points to an eternal rest that we're, we're going to enjoy. There's, there's going to be this, uh, an eternal rest that we step into when God's work of salvation in us is finally complete. So when we, when we set aside a weekly day of rest, the Lord's day, what we're doing is we're practicing for eternity. It's, it's a reminder that we're not home with the Father yet. Our salvation is not complete in, in the sense that we're not, we're not home yet. So the Sabbath rest for a believer, it's not, you know, it's not leisure. It's not, you know, just relaxation, relaxation. It's, it's learning to practice the discipline of living in the awareness of God's presence and God's promise that he's not finished with us yet. Gosh, that's encouraging. <laughs> and such a such a uh, interesting way to look at what what that rest will one day mean. That is that is so good. Thank you. 
Uh, okay, one, one more thing that I want to share with our group leaders. In the fall, we launched uh, some bonus digital content that is found in your leader guide, or if you use Quick Source or the Daily Discipleship Guide, all of those in the teaching plan, uh, there are scattered throughout a few QR codes that when you click on them, it brings up maybe a video or a map or just an extra piece of information uh, that we think could be helpful for you as you prepare to teach this week. Uh, And so there is one of those in this week's lesson. Uh, This week, it is that specific uh, QR code will lead you to a short audio where we talk about the Pentateuch. And Mike, who is on this on this uh, podcast, is actually the person who answers that question of why it's important for us to study the first five books of the Bible. So that is that is there. I just want to bring your attention to it. It's really worth just the couple of minutes it takes to listen to it. It's so valuable. Thank you for listening today. If you have comments or questions, you are welcome to send me an email at amber.vaden at lifeway.com, and I will do my best to answer your question or find the answer to it. Mike, thank you for being here today to discuss our very first lesson in this study. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Uh, so next week, we have Gia Thornburg and Dwayne McCrary joining us. Um, we're going to discuss uh, verses from Genesis chapter 2, so we hope that you'll join us.